on. Like, I just got, got these. Knees. How are these? These good? Hey, is this, is this blurred out? Like, should I move the screen? Or are you guys good with that? Those are fucking dope. I want those. <laughs> Looks like you're about that to perform like some better. kind of laser surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I want some of those. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable like this. What do you think? Love it. <laughs> Yo, that's how you do half your videos, right? It is, man. I have uh, definitely light sensitivity. Do you? After a while, these artificial lights, man, they just start to get to you, you know? It's just annoying. You know, it's funny, you said it, in the gym, but there's just so many of them, and the music going and everything. It's just, when I get in the car sometimes, at the end of the night, I'm just like, I just want silence. You know, I just want silence. Yeah. So listen, I'm glad that we got this together. I think that really, you know, we can go anywhere with it. I like that view better, John. Got some trees in the back. Yeah, I so I was, I was worried about the light like coming right in, so I was trying to block it. Yeah, I know it's it's only five it's five thirty over here, so we're getting sunset soon. That's beautiful. So, real quick, I'll do the introductions here since I gathered gathered everyone together here. Michael is my PT and the guy that I send all my people to when traditionally they're still broken from coming from somewhere else. Um, but we kind of, it, it evolved basically from me going in to get my knee rehab last year. We got talking and the way he was talking just made me think, I really enjoyed being around this guy. He's smart, blah, 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 you know. So since then I've kind of referred him about, I don't know, Mike, what would you say? About 20, 20 clients or so? <laughs> I don't think we're up that high, but it's, de it's definitely been a lot, you know? I mean, uh, yeah. it's, you know, if fucking Rona didn't come in, it'd probably be at 20, but, you know, Rona just put a halt to it. But surprisingly, a lot of these kids are still, you know, all the high school kids are still, like, coming in. Like, their parents really aren't too concerned, but the parents have them, like, seriously quarantined. So, like, coming out to the clinic is the only way they're getting out of the house anyway. So, yeah. And, Ed, right before you got on, John, I was telling Mike about how we met. I said, basically, you came in the gym one day, mm -hmm. and just from the way you were working out and warming up, I was like, yeah, he knows he knows what he's doing. You know, someone just doesn't come in like that. So then we just kind of evolved from there. We started talking a little bit more through Instagram. You came in over the summer. We met up. We kind of chatted some more, and I just, I felt this, I resonated with what he was talking about, and we've kind of gone back and forth. Um, recently, we did an, uh, an Instagram live, and then we've been just shooting texts back and forth about different ideas for either podcasts or we even got talking about a lot of mental health stuff, which I've talked to Mike about as well. You know, we can get into a million different things. You can bounce it anyway. I just wanted to come up with at least some kind of topic that we could go with, but I think even just introducing everybody and, and seeing how this goes, like I said. I'm the dumb one here. This is great for me because I'm going to learn so much from the two of you. True. You kidding me? You have some. You have so much to offer too. You, I own that, man. I want you to be a part of that as well. Let me yeah. let me close these damn blinds. Though. I, I'm getting a glare. I don't want to be in your guys' face either. Yeah, there, Michael. How was today? Uh, today was good. I had um, I had Emma in the goaltender. Dude, this girl's fucking killing it. She's just, um, 
Probably has, probably just has good genetics. She just learns really well. She just picks up on these these movements well. So we're progressing awesome. So we're in 12, 13 week um, post-op now. So my goal is I want to do the FCS on her at 16 weeks so I can attest the, the jumping. Um, we'll obviously retest the uh, motor control for the single leg squat. But I think like I told you, she was only um, one centimeter out of the range, so they want a four centimeter difference. She was five centimeters uh, difference, but still, I mean, that's that's pretty close for coming off, you know, this this surgery. And uh, just when I'm teaching her all these things, she's just picking up on it. So right now, the biggest thing is we're working on the uh, squat form because I want her to get proper squats and we can start introducing the jumps because she doesn't know how to squat right, she can't jump right. So um, we're going with that. And uh, yeah, she's good, man. She's just doing all of her stuff at home and. She's just, uh, she's tall. She's just, she's got a lot of frame to work with. So I think once she uh, basically gets strong and stable, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. So I think you're going to have a lot of fun working with her. She's, she, she's a good kid. Yeah. So John, this was one of the girls I had just sent Mike uh, before all this happened. The parents actually reached out to me right after it happened. And I was like, listen, I appreciate that. But I am post physical therapy. I have somebody that I think you should go to. He's good with the kids, blah, blah, blah. So we sent um, this girl over. She's been working with Mike for, how would you say, how many weeks now, Mike? Six, seven? No, she came like literally a, like a week after surgery. Okay. She's fresh okay. from Bartolozzi, so Perfect. she's been with me for almost like probably three months now. Okay. Yeah. okay. What was the injury? An ACL. Uh, yeah. Tear, tear. Yeah, ACL with, um, there was a mild lateral meniscus, only required like one stitching, but you know, Bartolozzi was just like be a little, little conservative, just so no like uh, closed kinetic chain flexion movements until after like 12 weeks. Um, but we were still able to do a lot of functional stuff anyway before then. I was still kind of cautious with a lot of that isolated hamstring stuff in the very beginning. Um, but she just, you know, still never really any complaints of pain. Things are looking good. So, you know, I think if it had been more of a severe meniscus tear, it would have been a little bit slower with the initial hamstring engagements and a lot of protocols call for that, but it's pretty good so far. So that just goes to show too, with like each person that you see, you're going to get a different layout of how long it takes and what they can handle. And that's why it's so important to be individualized because yeah. that person who had, you know, person a could have a an acl tear and post-surgery b they need three weeks to be able to get in but this person's like a week in it's like okay let's go yeah so i love that i love being able to experiment with that stuff yeah and she's she's gonna be a good template for uh you know joe and i were talking about trying to create our own type of rehab protocols um and like what to do you know you look at a lot of the top names out there and you've got guys like eric cressy and kevin wilk and stuff and they have all these protocols and how they do stuff um and it'd be kind of cool for at least in this area in Bucks County where like soccer and these sports are so big, centralized here. You got a lot of these like private, you know, schools and they just, you know, it'd be good to have that niche because like, just because we kind of know these things or you see people have protocols, like doesn't mean that this area is aware of it or these physicians are aware of it. So it'd be cool to have that. Like you have these surgeons give out these protocols, but like what I was telling Joe, uh, there used to be this time where like, even even for this 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 girl right now, the parents came in and said that uh, uh, Bartolozzi's physician assistant said, "Yeah, you can go ahead and start jumping, just like it was safe to do." But I said, "I, I get it. I understand that it means it's safe. But if we look at her mechanics, is that really safe? You know, 
Like if she's jumping and she's putting stress on her knee and she's not doing right mechanics, even though technically she's like safe in a healing factor, doesn't mean she's gonna go forward doing more damage. Just we know that there is high re-tear rates and high re-injury rates. And is it because these kids are going back and their mechanics are still off? And also, you know, there never really was a rhyme or reason. It was like, oh, well, you're at 12 weeks, so I guess it's time to start jogging. But there was no rationale behind it. So now functional movement systems, you know, Gray Cook and these guys came out with this capacity screen where now you could actually look at the impact control, explosive control, and actually say, yeah, this kid is ready to run because of this data, X, Y, and Z, or they're not ready to run, and they could see it, and the parent can see it, and even the coach can see it. And you can't deny that. If they can't jump and land on one leg without it shaking, like, what do we say, Joe? Tree in a hurricane? Hurricane. They're definitely not running. So it's clear as day. So, you know, it's, it just makes things a lot safer. And I think the parents and the athletes feel more comfortable knowing we have that stuff available. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I was just thinking about, like, you can even use that for a kid who hasn't had surgery or who hasn't had injuries because there are so many kids out there who – it's safe to jump, but do you have the deceleration mechanics? Are you able to absorb the blow that you're about to take? You That's know? And exactly what, what Mike and I have said before. Like, if you lined up a soccer team and just had them go into a vertical jump, we could sit there and go, you're predisposed, you're predisposed, you're, you know, like, not that it's going to happen, but you're no. in a much higher risk category just from the simple how we load and how we, how you know, how we land. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's um, it's a cool test because we could do it even as we were talking like over at uh, this uh, Max Football. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Joe. Uh, does you know about Max Football? It was around the corner from where we were. There was a soccer academy right down the street from the gym. Actually. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I was thinking Max Preps in my that's the high school yeah. thing. So, yeah, we were talking to the owners about using this as a tool to basically prevent these things from happening altogether. It was just like I explained to these parents when we're talking about why therapy is, you know, X amount of months and why we're doing stuff. And it's like, cause you know, the bottom line is because they say, well, we know that athletes that go back before nine months are higher risk for injury and all that. And then like, you know, the question would be the parents say, well then when is this kid ever going to get back? And the key is that these ACLs and these NIST repairs and stuff are, you know, there are these important rehabs that they require time and you can't rush them. And the goal is that they shouldn't happen in the first place. Just because all these ACLs are happening a lot doesn't mean that they should be happening. Just because something's common doesn't mean it's normal type thing. And we have to start looking at what we could do to prevent it. So if we could get into something like max football and do these capacity screens on these kids and look at stuff, we could see where their data is preseason. It'll help them curtail their training and what to be done. So stuff that uh, Joe could be doing with them, higher level conditioning, things that, you know, George and um, what's his wife's name again? Well, she's just really more on the back end, but okay, okay. he's got a few coaches that that are there with them, but still, um, yeah, just, you know, to bring that awareness about, you know, what's the prehab game? Yeah, yeah. So basically doing that stuff and then seeing where they are and then, okay, we're going through the season, playoff time's coming, let's retest them on a weekend and see, is something falling behind? Are we looking at something? Are we noticing that there's an asymmetry somewhere from just all the high intensity training and stuff? Now you give them some correctives. Hey, work on these things the next couple of weeks, you know, before and after practice. So this way we don't blow an ACL in the playoffs. How many times does it happen? Everything was good and the kid just went down. Well, something was creeping up somewhere, you know? Yeah, and over time, I mean, they have so many reps throughout the season. 
and practice and weight room and yeah. and if the weight room is not going well in terms of mechanics and somebody's not monitoring that kid and he's doing a squat and the knees are going dalgus i mean over and over and over you repeat that and then you get on the field and then you sprint and then he's landing poorly and he's landing with the foot that inverts and he doesn't have the proper mechanics and you know the turnover of the foot and so like all of these things add up over time and then you have a kid who does get injured and now that kid has to get sat out for a while and now they have a new 100% that they have to adapt to. Yeah. And the, the, but coaches don't really take that into account. It's just, and you were talking about earlier, it's like the doctors, it's like, yeah, you're safe, but are you, you know, everything's got to be looked at individually for sure. Can I tell you in the last year of all the clients, patients that I've had come through there, I can't believe how much I see with poor mechanics and none of it really is getting addressed. And I don't want to, and I say this, and I've talked to Mike about this. I got to be careful about saying this, but sometimes when I get these kids, their mechanics and their ankles and their hips are, I mean, they're working on the knee. That's great. They're getting, you know, the, the range of motion and everything. But when they're checking the box, yeah, they're ready to run. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're still getting ankle collapsing. You're still getting valgus as they run. Like, and so where does that make sense? If you can't jump and land on two feet without loading into valgus or landing in that position, what gives you the right to start running? Yeah. yeah. Well, a single leg with motion. I think it's also a, um, ignorance and not in a, 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 a bashing way. It's just the actual definition of ignorance it's like i just don't the coaches don't know so like maybe something that you guys could do and i'm just thinking that could be a part of it would have a coaches in 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 um in service and be able to kind of make like a very quick and basic powerpoint or some you know a presentation where it's like this is why we do what we do and we want to help instruct you on understanding these are the keys to look out for you don't need to be an expert in it but these are the big factor these are the big things that you want to be paying attention to um from my experience and just even working with hollywood high school out here the the people they have in charge it's like it, it's it's grown boys and men's bodies and the mentality as well is still kind of like that old school mentality and you had to get i had to get around that and figure out ways i could make it work for me knowing what i had to work with on their end you know so <clears throat> but coaches will do that they'll just because they don't know they think like they see the kid running and the kids running and they're moving fast that that's right that's correct this is okay but they don't know on the other end and you know like what you're saying too like i don't think it's i don't think you have to be careful about what you're saying there because you're not saying anything negative about the coach you're saying what's real. more about the physical you know therapist I mean? than the coach with them coming from pt sure after they're coming out of that 12 or 14 weeks post-op that's when i'm seeing them when they get to me none of those things that probably caused the injury in the first place were really addressed. Sure. They're addressing the knee and getting the full extension back to the knee, but they're not, they're, you know, they're saying to these kids, yeah, you can run, but like Mike's saying, let's put them through a screen first. If you can't get through the screen, then why are you running? Yeah, and I have to say you know, that. You're, coming uh, in, you're going, oh yeah, I was cleared to run. Yeah, yeah. And agility, and I'm like, out of every out of every kid, I think you've sent me so far, and even in ones that I haven't seen, but you were even working with, 
there's all been ankle mobility issues, and that's definitely common, especially with, with soccer because of the cleats. Uh, and it's the nature of it that, you know, these kids just don't think about doing mobility. I mean, even when I was like, you know, competing in track and stuff in, in high school, we didn't think about doing, you know, these things. We did calisthenics and like mobility drills, but we didn't think of certain specifics. And now we just, we just know more, you know? I mean, functional movement systems, when I went to the first course, Brett Jones is one of the top trainers. And he said that uh, they had been working with an athlete who was like this top level runner and they were trying to make him faster. So they're putting him on an inclined treadmill and he blew out both inguinal hernias. And they said, how the hell did this happen? No one ever checked his ankle mobility. Both his ankles were locked up. So then Gray Cook actually, I think he went on a plane and, and, the, and the hostess, they gave him like seven napkins or something. It's a pile of napkins. So he wrote basically seven movements that they could screen so this wouldn't happen again. It's kind of cool. So they looked at the overhead squat, inline lunge, all this type of stuff to look at how can we break down, start looking at how the body's moving. So now we're starting to understand how human performance is coming along and how things are happening. We have the resources to look at it. So again, with all these kids that came in, there was a locked up ankle. Even with this one goaltender I have, this girl, even though it was the one side, the ACL, if you look at her right side, her right side was worse when we were doing these drills. So I think that she had been compensating, and even though the left side took the blow, the right side was deficient somewhere. So you had that. And then um, the one kid you sent me now, uh, Ryan, locked up ankle on the left side. You know, I mean, it's, and it's like a huge difference. It's not like just a little bit. It's like one, you could like push it all the way back to like over 15 degrees of dorsiflexion. The other one barely gets like eight of active. These kids are playing on these things, you know? So, yeah. You know what? about when we played. You know, like I, when I played sports, it was, I, I can't even imagine, like, I, I'm so shocked that I avoided a severe injury, knock on wood, mm -hmm. that it never happens. But like, I know my stuff was messed up, you know? So it can be like seeing kids now too. I'm like, oh my God, is that how I was? That's, I can't believe that, you know, but you're right. The screen, the screen is the first thing. There's a couple first of things one. that are, that are completely blow my mind as far as athletic development in general now. Kids can't backpedal. Kids can't side shuffle, and kids don't know how to do jumping jacks. I mean, they're the three basic things. I, I cannot believe how bad people are at shuffling and backpedaling. If there's one thing that this quarantine is doing is teaching people to get back to the basics, because they have no, they can't get under a squat rack and stuff unless they have a home gym. So they got to go back to doing stuff. It's going to teach them how to do basic stuff. Get on the floor and crawl around. This is the man right here. He's lighting up on the screen right now. He's the one. He's got so much home workout creativity. This dude is amazing. John, some of the stuff that you've been putting up. It's oh, been phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mike. I was like, I want to see his stuff now. No, no. Yeah, so, yeah. I started following you on, on IG, Josh. I'm going to check out the stuff, man. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I have like seven more videos I'm working on right now. It's just I've also been working on the podcast and been uh and you know everything else i've been dealing with so like it's just kind of like a, a whole new life now um but i have i'm doing i'm working on a um reverse crunch progressions and stuff and how to get to dragon flags um and like okay. how to and so i'll do you'll so I'll post that soon that's gonna be an IGTV. um i just i like showing because it, it's cool i actually at some point i want to bring in my buddy josh um who i did videos with before uh he he posted something recently because he just added like 70 no, he had like 400 exercises to his YouTube channel. Wow. And he's been just on Madman recently working. And it's, I'm like, oh, I got to go. I got to get going, you know, because it makes me want to put more out there. 
you know um but it was cool because what he posted though on his story was uh putting up exercises this is the thing because like as soon as this quarantine happened and even before this but even more so it's like every single person out there's putting out home workouts and this and that and i'm like cool that's great but it's just to get notoriety and to get like a hand clap i'm like what can i give you in value that's actually because, yeah i need and honestly even a video of just the exercises with words on the screens not really going to do much like i want you to listen to me cueing what i'm doing in each specific thing because it's just going through a movement period is not enough anymore i don't believe i believe you have to have things in place you have to yes. feel specific yes. areas and you need to move with intention because if you're not you're missing out on the whole point of it you're not moving with a purpose yeah you're not training your body and your brain to absorb the movement and what we're actually trying to get out of it yeah basically hit the nail on the head and uh ryan fisher said that on uh, one of his ig posts because he's he's been doing the home programming and stuff like way before this happened that's how he basically just hit the market with that and now he has all his online programming and stuff where there are even like people in europe and stuff trying to like uh uh, grab his information and illegally like you know reprocess it and stuff you know I just got that big but he said the same thing you just wow. said he's like there's a lot of stuff out there that people are just putting out there just because it's like the thing to do now but there is no purpose and no value and it's not actually teaching anything it's just what ridiculous stuff can I have people do and I mean even like you know they're getting crazy with some of the challenges and stuff and all that it's just because people are kind of bored so they're trying to find stuff but it's like you know, the last article I actually wrote for one of my sponsors put my basic core progressions. I'm seeing these push-up challenges come and all stuff. And it's like, so many people can't even do a push-up properly. So they don't even have good core stability. So I'm like, why don't we just go back to the basics now? You're not in the gym. You're not trying to impress anybody. There's no competitions. Let's dial it back. Let's focus on the basics. Now is a good time to go in your basement, go in your garage, and focus on these things, you know? And this yeah. is where the foundation starts. Eric Dugati just did something about that on a functional movement screen, talking about how they just revised the, uh, the the quadruped, right, to now the ankle reach and touch. Hmm. And, you know, it was showing how everyone was falling into the bucket of the twos, and now you're getting more ones, but then they showed the new rotary stability, and if you were scoring ones, or if you were scored a one on the push-up, they were attacking the push-up but now if you start to look at the rotary stability because of the way they changed it a lot of these people are falling into the one which now shows like now you probably need more rotary stability correction to then help with the push-up yeah and i mean i can tell you that a lot of these kids right now can't even get on hands and knees and just kick one leg out without arching their back like a cat or just rolling all over so never mind the opposite arm leg i mean it's one girl i have right now she's doing the arm leg elbow to knee and out really well but then, you know, that's where the FCS comes in. What if you have a kid that crushes all these movements, then you do the capacity screen where you do that horizontal reach test, which is really hard to see where the core is and if they're even, you know, on both sides. So you're looking at them on the capacity and then you take it a step further and you do that farmer's carry walk. What is their postural integrity under stress? Can they carry, they get 75% of your body weight split between both hands for 250 meters or 90 seconds? basically do a heavy carry and see if they can last and then what's happening is the body breaking down and they collapsing what's going on there reflection and yeah. That's but cool. i mean joe you know isn't right i tell him this all the time about what he's saying he's really just kind of speaking you know speaking the truth he's basically getting these kids now from these pt clinics and these pts aren't doing their jobs and it's like as a physical therapist i have no problem with coming out and saying that and it's not to 
really just badmouth another company because no. my company no. doesn't even need to do that. Like we make our own niche, we make our own name, we've been doing that. Excel's been around since like the 90s. We don't need to sit here and talk trash on other companies. There's no need for that. Right. If the clients and, and, and the feedback, that does it for itself. I mean, the, the, the reviews and everything and what people are getting. And Joe's basically getting these kids who are coming in who still can't stand on one leg. I mean, what are we doing in PT? There's still mobility issues. So I'm just saying, like, if we want to get recognized as doctors in PT and these programs push that, we're paying us back in loans, all this stuff, we want to be called doctors, we have to start doing what it takes to be recognized as a doctor or something. And a lot of what I'm seeing in my own field is just not acceptable. And this is why insurance companies think it's a joke. They play games with us on reimbursement. And I keep trying to advocate, you know, we're lucky that at least in Bucks County, it's a little bit more of a vibrant area. So people are a little bit more willing to spend almost to the point where like, you know what, I'll pay cash. I got to do what I got to do. And it always gives us time to advocate to show what we can really do and not just take advantage of that. I can never take somebody's money for an hour and just BS around and do the same stuff. Every time these kids come in, I'm trying to push them with new things. And I think that they get that, and I think that the parents get that. And I think that if they weren't putting the effort in, I would have that conversation and say, look, like, you're gonna be wasting your time here. Like, we're not getting anywhere. So like, what, what do you want to do, you know? But I think it really comes down to that we have to start basically taking accountability here as PTs and trying to really further and do is like, what are we doing? Is it really working? And if it's not, how do we fix it? You know, because it's just unacceptable that Joe's getting a lot of this and he's basically trying to play cleanup and doing things that sometimes a little bit more like what a PT should be doing. Now like come to me at like 14, 15 weeks and I'm going back and doing things that are like at week like 10 and 11. Yeah. It's further back sometimes, you know? Like some of their neuromuscular control and balance isn't even there on one leg, you know? I'm like, okay. So now I'm spending time doing that, and I'm like looking at my protocol here, going like, I, I feel as though we should be further along, considering yeah. where where you were for the last 14, 15 weeks. Like, what was what were you doing? It's yeah. the same. Well, uh, oh, it's going in, Mike. I was going to say the way I've been kind of explaining it to the parents when they sit down and say, okay, what is this going to look like for my son or daughter? And I say, well, here we're doing PT here. They all kind of want, well, when are they going to be better? And I say, well, it depends on these factors. Everybody's different. You know, and then I say, when we're done with that and I teach them how to move well and be stable in these movements, then we load it. And then once they're good with doing that, then it's kind of time for them to go to somebody like Joe who has the knowledge in doing these movements, in training somebody, and adding it to soccer-specific stuff. You know, because insurance companies really aren't going to pay for that. They're not going to pay for strength and conditioning. That's not how it works. That's where someone like Joe comes in where they can do this in training the kids on getting stronger, getting more power, getting more speed and what they can do. And then also translating into soccer stuff. So they're doing, like Kelly Starr says, is what you're training speaking the proper language of your sport. So making sure these kids are doing stuff that speaks the language of soccer and not doing like bicep curls because they don't know what else to do. I guess when you said going to the training room, you know, are these kids doing stuff that's going to facilitate soccer stuff? Or are they just going in there and just like dicking around with their boys, you know, and doing whatever now? So. No, totally. Uh, okay, so. Oh. Unlimited minutes. Did you upgrade? Did you upgrade? I don't know. What did it say? Did you upgrade? said you upgraded. Oh, I don't know. I didn't see anything on my screen. You guys got... Cool, we got upgraded. See that? Because I'm on here all the time. Nice. Uh, I was going to say about the, like, the PT world. So I was going to go to school for physical therapy. And after working in, in clinics, uh, doing the volunteer hours, and actually I was, I was lucky enough to get paid, um... 
it was just it was it was eye-opening to be because you have the PT who spends maybe 10 to 20 minutes depending on the person maybe 30 if they're lucky and it's all manual therapy on the table and now the population that was coming in wasn't necessarily athletic but regardless people don't lay on tables all day people move people stand people get up they get down and they move four dimensions we go up down left right side to side we rotate and so to not work with somebody in that capacity makes no sense to me um and it's lazy and you're right and you know like and it's not bad mouthing pts i think it what it is doing they were talking about the realities of what they have to deal with they have to deal with turn and turn and go that's part of it. They have to make their money. Otherwise, they're not making their quota and then they don't get paid by insurance. Yeah. So that's really, that's a healthcare issue on its own. But yeah. then what can be addressed though, or what I think can be addressed is how do we create a system so that way we're getting everything step-by-step step for each person? You know, do I have to be with the aide? Okay, fine. Make sure that aide knows exactly the things. And are you having in-services for those aides? Do those aides know what to be looking for? Do they know how to be queuing? Do they know, you know, what it should feel like? Have you run them through the process themselves? Like those things should be put in place, you know? So like, I think for you, and I, I used to do this with trainers and here in LA, everyone's a trainer. All right. That's their, it's like, it's like an act. Cool. I'm going to go train. I'm going to be a model. Cool. I'm going to go train. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's how that West coast is. It's, it's frustrating. It was frustrating for a long time until I removed myself from it and just said, all right, there's a trainer for everyone. And I am going to do my best to spread the word and the knowledge by connecting with other like minds and promoting it in a positive way. So like, that's where I'm like, I'm a minion. I feel like we're all minions in the strength conditioning world and the health world and the fitness world, the training world, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's, it's about like, fine, you see someone else doing that? Well, then I'm going to show you. That's why I make the videos I make. It's, it's, I want to give something back to at least say like, I'm putting this forward. Hopefully it inspires somebody else to do the same thing because there's no way like in, in any world, I mean, the doctor, in, uh, medical doctors, you know, pharmacists, uh, you name the field, finance advisors, there's always going to be that one who just doesn't care because they're dealing with their own issues. So they bring that into their work. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think people, so like just, it, it, just all these thoughts came up for me. It's like, what can so what can we do like what where can we go with it and i think you guys could absolutely make a killing out there with getting a program going you know even with other pts maybe just email some pts and say like hey we really want to work with you guys in some capacity and say like we would love to give you you know free training do free training for them and it's like for all your people so that way we're working together we're teaching each other we're learning we're growing a community and it's a win-win for everybody you know, um, and I know you're a PT, so like it wouldn't necessarily bring you more business, but not monetarily, but networking and being able to have that, yeah. you know, maybe somebody's like, Hey, you know what? He's actually really good with this, you know, like, so I just, I think about like trying to build that community aspect as well, because, um, I just, I think it's, it's really easy to get caught up in, uh, I wish it was another way. Cause I, all the time, it was so frustrating. And I was like, I'm removing myself from that mentality yeah. and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to bring in and, uh, the, the community that I want to work with, you know? Yeah. So well, I think the reason why we definitely have gotten that niche here with, with a lot of the ACLs and I think bouncing them back and forth and, you know, like, uh, you know, we're, and we've picked up other things. There's been ankle stuff. There's been other, you know, knee men, um, meniscus tears and, and things like that. Um, but I, I think that we have a really good thing going. It's just, you know, it's just at this point now with elective surgeries kind of 
they were, you know, yeah. everything was down for a little bit. It's going to start to pick back up. But and listen, people get hurt. You know, uh, at home, I'm perfect example. I got hurt a couple of weeks ago. Calling Mike, like, oh my god, Mike, what am I going to do? Yeah, how'd you hurt your quad? You never told me. So, you know what? I'm not really sure. It wasn't something that happened right away. Okay. Uh, I he woke was getting up. off the couch. I, I I, he was laughing. I knew something had happened because he was smiling down here. I, wo I woke up in the middle of the night and my knee was swollen. I couldn't bend it. I'm like freaking out. It, it must have been something I had been doing the day before, but there was no sign or symptom. Nothing, you know. So anyway, it turned out to be like a grade two strain of the, the quad tendon, right, Mike? Is that what we kind of came up with? Yeah, he was he was basically um, doing the videos for his uh, his online, uh, you know, the virtual training stuff. And uh, this this weather sucks over here. One day it's warm, then it's cold and chilly, and it's like that crisp chill in the air. And then like yeah. even when I try to wake up and train in the garage, it's like an ice box. I'm wearing a hoodie, my hands are cold. Like this sucks, man. I, we need some warm weather around here. So I think he was just going. He was in the shorts and he was doing some plyo stuff, and he just. He just strained it. I mean, it's just this weather. So I was like, he's got to warm up a little bit more before doing, but should be getting some warmer weather soon. Now, you and I kind of talked about that a little bit, you know, when we got a little bit more into the mental health part of our conversation that day where, you know, I said, when I was talking to Mike, I probably wasn't very hydrated. Uh, my routine is different, right? Everyone's routine right now is different. I was outside training. I haven't been outside to train in probably two years you know i'm in the gym doing stuff when i'm outside i go for long walks and things like that but i'm not training outside like i was well that's like when you told me you were doing those jumps coming out of the pool and doing jumps i was like dude are you like competing in something i don't know about where is this this high intensity training coming from like what is going on that's what happens when you get bored you're like i just want to try things yeah, yeah. well that, you know what and that that's a perfect segue into the whole thing so we can get off about my rehab how I came about some of the things that we were talking about, John, with the, the offset and the offloaded training type of rehab, prehab type of stuff. You kind of mentioned that you like something I would, that I just posted, yeah. like saying something. They were kind of things I was playing with because of my own quad. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Day one through seven, and I could barely put any load on it myself. Now all of a sudden, a six pound ball, picking it up, putting it to my left side. Amazing how much I couldn't do. And then day 10 and I'm you know, and so I started to play with some of those things. And then I went with some resistance bands and a couple of the kettlebells I have here. And I just started kind of playing with it, you know, and I just kind of, you said you had some more progressions or regressions from some of the things I was doing there, but I was just messing around and I was like, you know what? This kind of works. Yeah. Uh, well, it came to me because I was, uh, you know, Josh Hankin and DVRT, and the sandbag, ultimate sandbag training and all that. Uh, yeah, you know, what? I just did see, I think I just uh, started following them. Check them out. They're really good. Uh, and I'll, I'll send you guys um, Joel, uh, Joel's stuff as well. Joel Gunman. He's uh, he's a doctor. You know, Dos Remedios. I don't know if you guys know those mm -hmm. guys or not. Mm -hmm. but, um so I, I last year they had a seminar where so josh hankin is the he's the ultimate sandbag like he essentially started ultimate sandbag with perform better um and uh a lot of their training has to do with like uh, uh like the um uh fascial slings gosh i couldn't think of it so diagonal fascial slings and being able yeah. to load and you know um cross body and so they're very they're very 
diagonal is a lot of their training. Um, and so I've taken a lot of that stuff because I, I, I get, I'm from the mindset of I'm going to try things and see what works and feels best for my body. And then I can play with things from there. And so I, I saw what you had, I think you, if what I had responded to was you had two kettlebells and you were working like a kickstand, it looked like, yep. right? So, and I was thinking, I was, so I was like, okay, and I, I'm making, I'm in the, one of the videos I mentioned earlier is a kickstand uh, deadlift progression because so many people shift the weight back to the back foot on a kickstand deadlift. And so I was figuring out how can people, cause kick, people think an RDL, single leg RDL is like an intro move. I'm like, no, that is an advanced move that you need years of work towards get to, to get to that. So, so many open hips with that. And, oh, and knee valgus, uh, rotation, <laughs> pelvis instability. I mean, there's so many things that happen on that. And so I was like, okay, well, I got a big room here. Let's experiment and see if I can figure out how I would want to teach that better. Because even you have to think about the hip extension. How, how, what to what degree does somebody have good hip extension where it's not forcing them to low back extension? And so I was playing around with different angles and different, you know, tensions and how to shift stuff. And I, I what I would do. So the reason I brought up DVRT is because they load things into the ground and also with creating tension everywhere. So it's kind of like a mix of FRC. DBRT kind of tactics of creating tension and transferring, transferring that energy to the core and being able to get that core to activate more uh, and to stabilize us better. Um, so what the, like holding a band under your foot and like a light TheraBand, super simple just to activate and get that tension to create. And you can, you can do it without the band too, but let's say you have your right foot loaded, left legs, the kickstand, you take that right, you take that left hand hold on to a band, press it out and go into your kickstand. You're getting that cross-sectional pattern between the right glute and the left lat working now. And you're also getting that core to fire more. You can take the toes on the kickstand, drive it into the ground and get a little more tension there, a little bit big toe extension. And then you can shift the weight properly onto that front leg. Because I think what happens a lot when, like people would say they just jump straight to instability. You're teaching the body how to accept it but it might not be acceptable in a way that's going to set you up for success later or keep you away from injury. But if we're trying to go little by little, I would want to load with more tension through the core and get everything to fire up together. I'm a huge proponent of fingertips to toes. Yep. Like, I want everything working. If you're in a push-up position, I want you pushing the ground apart. I want the corkscrew of the hands. How much do you see with the push-up where people push away and they're, it's on their toes or they're, I mean, listen, I deal with a ton of high school yeah. kids. They're a mess. And I've actually found a really good tool with that FMT band wrapped around their shoulders and giving them that assistance coming up out of the push-up. I'm able to get them to get in better elbow position instead of this here. We're getting them at that 45 degree angle and they're comfortable there. Right. Being out of the ground and they're getting the whole body to come up at the same time because that band is actually helping pull that upper body a little bit. It's the only thing I use the Smith machine for is uh progressive push-ups and progressive pull-ups i'm i it's 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 the only thing and, and because i it's like i'd rather i'd rather have if, if if possible like if you don't have the machine you don't have the machine but i'd rather somebody on a full a full push-up position at an angle rather than on the ground on their knees and it because it teaches that body how to connect the dots and especially for athletes it's so important because you're out on the field you're out on the court running hitting the ground decelerating reaccelerating. if you don't have stability in multiple planes of motion you're going to set yourself up to fail and have injuries for sure, you know? And so 
when I was thinking about the progression, like that was why I was like, I love, I love playing around with that stuff. Like I love experimenting and like figuring stuff out because there's no one right way to move. Everyone's going to be different right. and protocols for everyone's going to look different. And I've gotten to the place now where I'm like, I kind of, and that's not that I'm taking programming away from myself. It's more like, I just want to see how I adapt daily. What do I feel like doing today? And how can I challenge my body based on the energy I have today? Right? So I take that same thing for my clients. I check in with them every day. What's your energy like today? And, and they've gotten to that point now where they go like, you know, I feel like more explosive today. I feel, you know, okay. So we start with mobility. We start with breath work. We start with getting them just start moving a little bit and then we'll see where you go from there, you know, but just being able to like progressively try new things. Um, and, and I, I just love, I love that. That's why I messaged you with that. Cause I was like, I'd love to bounce ideas. Have you try it? Let me have feedback, you know? And that's great. I'm glad you brought Mike in. Cause now it's like, Hey, I have another PT professional that I can be like, Hey, what do you think about this? I didn't really like this. I came up with a bunch of moves on the Kaiser machine or like a cable. Like, did you see the, uh, Mike, I'll send that one to you, but it's, um, I wanted to test out like a kickstand deadlift mixed in with a cable press or, and then I, I called it, oh, you, you did it. You did the, yeah. The, I, so I did the sprinter row where I, I front loaded, um, I took the front loaded leg, uh, and elevated it onto like a 12 inch box kettlebell load on that side, rack hold, and then a row on the opposite leg just to kind of load that body, get tension everywhere. And it's just in, to help loading the knee, help load the ankle more to help get into positions that an athlete would be in. Um, you know, it's like, so, and you know, one of my buddies who like, oh, Josh, the guy I was talking about earlier, I went to his, his gym to experiment and he was like, yeah, I don't get this. I get this. And like, that's what I love. It's like, I love getting the feedback. I want to know, like, do you agree with this? And if not, it's like, it's not a, it's, it's a, it's just, a, it's, it's, does it work for you or not? You know, because my brain throws out plenty of ideas. Most of them are not great, but every once in a while I'll have a good one. So. <laughs> Yeah, Gray, uh, Gray Cook put something out on Instagram, it was last Friday, a little bit thing about um, just because you have mobility and stability, it's not the full picture. And it kind of sounds like common sense, we forget this, there's other factors, there's stress, there's sleep, hydration levels, sometimes you're doing all the right things together and it just doesn't come together properly, you know, because you're missing other components. Um, and I think that's a big uh, thing here with a lot of these uh, Athletes. I mean, uh, the only one who ever asks for water in the clinic when I'm exercising is Riley. Every time she comes in, she gets some water. The rest of them, they don't eat, they don't drink. I'm like, you even had that one girl come in when I was I was shadowing you. Uh, she was almost passing out. I was like, did you eat anything? I'm like, you know. So um, there's a nutritional aspect, you know. And uh, so I tell them when they, when they were walking in the door, I said, I'm evaluating you from the minute you walk in the door. Are you waving to me? Are your shoulders down? I mean, like. You know, uh, you got a sad face on, and then when you get back there, like, did you eat before you got here? Did you have anything to drink before you got here? You know, how was how was your your online school now? You know, how was? I'm just trying to get a feel for you know. I'm like, yeah. I mean, know, there's a whole you know, shoulders are down. Okay, well then I know that I got to you know we got to do a little bit more of a dynamic warm up, and our warm up is going to be longer because we really got to wake the body up here. You know, yeah, like there's there's a whole other component. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole other component to like working with that high school population. So like when PTs say, I want to work with the pros, I want to work with high school athletes and stuff. And I'm like, it all sounds great when you're first graduating school because you think that that's where it's at. But there's a lot of challenges that come with that because as fun as it, it, it is, it's there's a lot of things to know. Like if you would have told me you want to go and try to really get a niche into working with high school soccer players at maybe even a higher level, 
five years ago, I probably said it sounds cool, but I feel like there's still so much more I gotta learn. And even now I still feel like there's so much more I wanna learn. But <laughs> with the courses, I feel a little bit better prepared and I feel like I'm, I have more rationale to what I'm doing and it's not just throwing stuff at, at athletes and seeing how they respond. It's just a rhyme and a reason. And you know, especially when you're working with those level athletes, it's, you have to try to get them to kind of buy into it, you know, too, to understand. Um, so I think also with that high school, like we talked about high school, teenage girl, that's a whole mess within itself. Now you're trying to direct them into a sport. So how do we coach them on nutrition and they have insecurities and all this other stuff and going from there. So it's a whole nother aspect of rehab. And you know, it's not like you see in the movies and stuff when you see how high school coaches interact with kids who aren't even really at a high school level, they're actors. When you're actually in there and you're working with high school level kids, so all these other things coming on because like I feel like the parents are on one page and the kids on another. The parent comes in and is like, yeah, we got to do this, we got to do that. And there's that we, you know, we got a tournament and we this. And it's like, it means that the parents all pump, but then the kids over here and I'm like, so you think you want to play in college? And they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. The head's down, like, we'll see how it goes, I don't know, you know? And it's like, the parents are in the show and the kid is the puppet. Yeah. So I want to know, like, get a feel for, is this kid into it or is this kid just like, sitting in the passenger seat during all of this. And like, you gotta kind of build that rapport and kind of learn on where they're going. And like, I feel like sometimes you can't cross that line too with like jumping in and saying what you want to tell the kid to do and stuff. So sometimes you have to almost kind of get in and say like, okay, well, look, these things are gonna be important for you regardless if you want to go forward with soccer or not, whatever you want to do and kind of leave it as an open-end book so the kid knows that you're not pushing him in a direction but you're there to support him overall. Like, look, if you want to go forward and play soccer in college, these things are going to be great for you. But hey, if you decide that maybe further down you want to go and do bodybuilding or go be a marathon runner, these things are all important for you to learn how to do. So then they understand that you're kind of seeing a big picture and you're not just honing in on them. Besides, it's like they're getting that from the parent. It's like soccer, 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 beating them over the head. Whereas now it's like Joe or like myself or even like you work with an athlete can be in that position where it's like we're just globally making them better they could use those tools, which these tools will be important for them. Learning how to move properly is important for anything going forward so they can not get injured and learn how to do things properly, you know? For sure. And well, I really think, I'm sorry, John. Well, which I really think that like what we've even talked about before with both you guys is the challenge over the next 12 to 18 months because everything's still up in the air, right? right? I mean, we've talked about that part of it, keeping them focused, keeping them motivated. Well, and, and so like two things came up for me, Mike, when you were talking, like you played sports, right, Mike? Like when you were a kid growing up, Joe, you played, so you played yeah. soccer. So I, 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 I played soccer, which is fun. That's the funniest part of it all. I've never played soccer, but. Oh, that's funny. Yes. I could have swore that would have been, I, that would have been my main guess. But like, I just think about like a lot of kids, at some point it's not fun anymore. And I think kids start sports early on because their friends are doing it, their parents want them to do it, and they have fun and it's a fun thing. At a certain level, it gets to be not necessarily about the fun, it gets to be about competition. And on the mental side, that can really mess with a kid who isn't really fully in it and is being expected to be in it. And so if you think about the stress that that kid's probably feeling and the pressure, that's gonna mess with what you were talking about, Mike, other factors, right? Nutrition, stress, other things that go on. It, and you guys have played sports when you've been there's been times I know you've shown up and you don't know how it's happened but you feel everything you are on fire 
you're, you're the ball's coming out of your hand fast. It's coming off your foot fast. The shot's going down. Like you don't know what's going on. You can't explain it. Right. right. Well, I don't right. know. You're in the zone. That it's up here. And and that mentality, it could have been as simple as I saw my grandma this week. I had a great feeling. You know, there was there's all that stuff matters. Every single piece of what we do on a daily basis matters. And if I've had a fight or an argument with somebody and it brought up a lot of bad feelings for me, that may come into how I play. And if these kids are dealing with pressure or it's, let's say a trigger word that they grew up with, for instance, the word, you know, uh, bad rep, right? It could be, it could be as simple as like, now they go to a place of I'm not good. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's going to mess with them on another level that it could trigger something because of something that's happened at home that's happened in their past that's happened a traumatic experience so being able to connect on more of a human level i've found it's just it's just treating everybody like i would have wanted been treated and being coached like i want to be the coach that i never had i want to be the guidance you know that free space and understanding like michael you were saying it's like hey like i want you to want what you want i want to be here to support whatever it is that you want so if that's to play soccer in college that's cool i'm not going to judge you if you say you know what i really don't want to i'm just doing this having that connection that human interaction is so key to having buy-in because those kids are like oh somebody's listening to me somebody's taking me in if kids are not seen if they're not attuned to they're going to absolutely uh fight it they're going to rebel against it and uh, as adults, it's our it's our duty, you know, to be able to help guide them and teach them about these things as well, um, and letting them know like because you don't want to do something, it doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you have to have shame about it. Uh, what it means is you don't want to do it, and that's okay. Right. You know? So, are you familiar with um, John the Shrug Collective podcast? You heard those guys? No, I'm, I have not. Uh, so um, I got Joe hooked on to them when we first met because I was like, dude, you, you would love this podcast because uh, I promote them a lot because they talk about awesome stuff. It's like what we're talking about. The hosts, uh, Andrews, Varner, and Doug Larson, actually both um, from the West Coast in California. And uh, they started there part of like when CrossFit first came to Boone, they had like one of the CrossFit boxes and stuff. And uh, now they started creating podcasts and they went through all the stuff, the CrossFit games and all that. And now they network with some of like, the top athletes, they bring on um, everyone from doctors to PTs, chiros, trainers, small business owners, uh, you know, all it's all fitness related stuff. Um, and uh, I should try to maybe message because I talked to the host. He's very, very open on, on, on Instagram, very communicative stuff. He loves podcasting and talking about this. And they talk about all these topics, all these type of things. And uh, you're probably like talking to him, John. So probably message him and, and see if maybe he wants to like hook up and you guys could chat and stuff. Cause, yeah. uh, they talk about awesome stuff and you can relate well being on the West coast. Cause they talk about that type of lifestyle because uh, the one guy was on there, Ryan Fisher, basically um, he had that CrossFit chalk out there and just being in that type of, um, I guess uh, I don't know how you describe it. Some of the uh, uh, environment demographics there where kind of you get these people who have all different goals. So some people will come in because they just want to look good. And then some people will come in because they actually want to get stronger. And then just having curtail this business into almost kind of, you know, being that and, and being like, talking about how there's all these trainers out there and they do group fitness and a lot of that stuff fails because you can't individually connect to all your people when you're running that stuff. So yep. he was talking about, they have all these podcasts talking about 
and these episodes talking about what it takes to be a good trainer, like what's really a good trainer. It's not even so much your knowledge. Like you can't even communicate that to your patient or your client on the same page with them. What, what good, what good are you? How are you going to get someone to buy into your program? You know? Yeah. So yeah. one of a couple of people they brought on were some uh, trainers that work with uh, the pros. They brought on uh, this guy, Chris Knott, who uh, he has his own spot out. It's called Dynamis Performance up in Colorado Springs. And he works a lot of the NFL guys. He, uh, he trained um, uh, half of the Broncos here. They went to Super Bowl, including Von Miller. And now I think he was Odell Beckham Jr.'s personal trainer. Um, and then uh, they also brought on Joe Ken. Joe Ken was a strength and conditioning for the Carolina Panthers. He was just on a recent podcast talking about it. And they all are kind of saying a lot of the same things. Even uh, Ben Bruno, who trains the celebrities. They all network, even Eric Cressy. When they all talk, they all are coming down saying the same thing, you know. You have all these people on these different wavelengths, even these pro-level athletes. And it's like a lot of these guys who are working with these high-level athletes sometimes are not even that good. They just get their shot because they knew someone through the system. You could take Philadelphia Eagles over here for, for an example. Strength and conditioning program was crap the past couple of years. It's evident in how it's going. They eliminate all their guys. But you could have someone who maybe lives in South Philly, Know someone who works in the Novacare complex, maybe billing, and says, hey, you know, my friend's son really likes athletes, want to come in. He comes in, he starts going around the training room, works around there, works his way up. Before you know it, he's a freaking trainer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Guy doesn't know shit. And that's what these guys are saying. They all are saying that, look, just because someone's working with these high-level guys doesn't mean that they're really that great. He's like, I see, and they say it. There's a lot of guys who really just don't know what they're doing. And it's like the really good trainers can take someone who – can't move well, doesn't know what's going on, and build them up. If you're working with someone like uh, Saquon Barkley, you think, and, and, and then you're going to say you're his trainer, that guy's already a genetic anomaly. You know, he's just, your goal is not to mess him up. Your goal is to curtail him yeah. and make sure he's on the right path. Right. You know, right. but it's really the ones that could take these people and kind of mold and build them up to that. But all of a kind of it comes down to the goals. Like a lot of these guys, like their heads aren't in the game. And you know, some of that even starts even back down, it's coming back to even the high school level. Like where are the kids' heads? And even going up, where is that, that focus, that motivation? Even going to the pro level, some of them, they don't realize that when they get in, get all this money thrown at them, and then they say, okay, well, you know, <clears throat> I don't have to work, I don't have to do it, I'm in now. And all these guys are saying the same thing, saying that when you get to this level, you have to understand that the partying, the drinking, all these distractions, if you really want to be good, you really want to be focused, you're going to have to learn, I got to get to sleep at night. I got to do this. I got to stop, you know, messing around because this is really where my future is. So I think sometimes that even goes down to the high school level too, sticking out with these kids. You see the kids that you know if they're really focused because they're doing the things naturally, you know, and, and you could tell the enthusiasm and they're on it and stuff. And then you can see the kids that it's like they're being dragged in when they come in, they're just like, and you know the parents running the show. So again, it's like, how do you, you, you know, you curtail to that, that individual. You know, how do you come into that? You know, and all these parents, too, say, kids got to get faster, got to get faster. And I even said to Joe, I'm like, what is with these parents and getting these kids faster? I'm like, first of all, there's more and more stuff coming out showing that speed has a high genetic correlation. I mean, you either have the, the ability to be fast, like you know, like you could have that speed. I mean, it's just like with the powerlifting. You could see if someone can power clean. They have the genetics to just get under the bar. Someone could do it well, but then there's those that you just see and you're like, whoa, that's something special. Self, like, can you, yeah, can you get someone to be faster? Yes. Sure. 
But they also talk about the three different muscle fibers, right? You have your fast twitch, your slow twitch, and your intermediate. And from what I've read over the years, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, between the ages of like 13 and 17, them intermediate ones are gonna jump to whatever energy system they're doing most of. Yeah. Right? So if I have a soccer player that has been told all summer long, you gotta do the two miles in this amount of time. You gotta, first off, two miles is, <sighs> seems arbitrary anyway, because they're running more than two miles in a game. Okay, so there's your first one. A, you're not doing, or B, you're not doing it in a circular motion. All right? C, you're not running at that pace the entire time. It's a sprint, a jog, a walk. And the, so I tell them all summer long, this is a, the conversation I have with every high school and collegiate kid all summer. Because all they want to talk about is how they got to be ready for the two-mile race. I said, sprint more. And they look at me, I said, if you sprint more, the byproduct of your anaerobic will give you an increased VO2 max. You will have more endurance. You will be able to make that run. I'm not saying don't practice that. Do it once a week. Don't be going out every day and running two and three miles because now you're changing. A, if you're a younger kid, you're changing the muscle fibers in which you need to do the sport that you're trying to play the most. Right? Right. Right. No, you're and you're you're adapting the muscles to learn this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what training is. It's the it's the practice of the same motions or similar motions over and over. And what you're talking it's interesting because I think about myself, like when I played sports, I was overweight as a, a younger kid. Like I I had excess fat. I didn't I, I ate everything in sight. But you know, so luckily if I would have been obese if I didn't play sports. But I was fast. I was always fast. And no one ever taught me that. I was sprinting out of the gates at seven, eight, nine. Like I just, I naturally had it. Uh, have I gotten faster over time with, you know, uh, weightlifting and more sprinting and understanding mechanics and hundred yeah. percent. Right. And so improving, yeah, improving mechanics, improving, improving deceleration, reacceleration, all that fun stuff. But you're right. I mean, the, to think that a soccer player needs to go run for that amount of time, Right. it's yeah you don't know like because you're trying that's not what you're going to be doing on the field and i would prefer like you said once a week that's fine but i would prefer you getting onto an airdyne bike i would prefer you doing battle ropes side to side if you want to work on your your higher endurance based stuff do stuff that's low impact because you running a, around the track you're just you're you're hitting that foot strike over and over and over at a pace handling and you're just tearing down the joints that look we all have a certain amount of damage we can handle and sports are an insult to the body they hurt the body that's what we do but we adapt over time and you get better and it gets used to it and it heals but if you're training the body in between doing sprints and hardcore you know uh anaerobic stuff and then you start to talk, tossing in some aerobic stuff it's going to take away your power it's going you know take away it's going to minimize it it's not going to you're taking uh the the energy you could be putting towards anaerobic training and putting it towards aerobic training that doesn't help what you're going to be doing on the field. So when know? they talk about specific sport training, like we all know the strength part of it doesn't really change. But if you want to be sport specific, then when it comes to your conditioning, that's when it's sport yes. specific. Yeah. Or like if you want to do like specific, like 
mobility drills or specific you know like uh landing mechanics okay that's fine like for basketball players like i wouldn't have a basketball player do a ton of jumping they're already doing it in practice i would have them work on their mechanics i would have them work on hey this is what you want to pay attention to i'd have them work on foot strength and you know stiffness in the ankles and stuff like that but i wouldn't have them sitting there doing a ton of box jumps yeah right so go ahead oh i was i was gonna point one thing to joe what you said earlier about like uh the anaerobic will take in it'll go to your aerobic capacity uh i can speak from this because i am not a runner i've always hated long distance running and for some reason i mean we've had some sun out here recently it's been very nice and i went and ran three miles the other day and i was fine i was like i'm gonna die i'm gonna die this is not good my body doesn't like this but you know i ran i was like i didn't run i ran at a, a good pace and then i ran and ran in between i ran some hills and then I ran back home and I was like, wow, I ran three miles and I'm good. And it's funny because I don't ever run. I don't work. And you uh, more anaerobic. Way more. I've been anaerobic since I was born. You know, like that's just my body. And and so like I train that way. I train more anaerobically and it feels better on my body. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like when CrossFit came out and they've discussed this even on that, you know, all these podcasts too about, you know, evolution of it. You know, everyone thought CrossFit was bad. I even thought it was bad at first. I didn't fully understand it. But what happened was you had people that already had a good aerobic engine, good genetics, and people that had some background somewhere with powerlifting. You know, when I grew up, I didn't even know anything about powerlifting because none of my friends, even some of the bigger dudes, there were no powerlifting gyms around. Bumper place? What was that? There just wasn't any of that. You got to find a real specific niche to do powerlifting. So, um, or I'm sorry, even Olympic lifting also. So then you get to CrossFit where it's like, now we got to do Olympic lifts for time. And this is crazy. But even like Joe Kennett said, when he was talking, he was like, you saw that CrossFit, some CrossFit athletes shown that it could be done. But there's a specificity towards training with that. And it was like when CrossFit came out, it was like everyone was doing Fran and Cindy, non-freaking stop over and over. And then you get into these specific modes and even like Eric Cressy talks about that, you get so specific that you lose your global ability to function. And it comes down to, yeah, CrossFit will get you in shape, but you still need to take some time out and you can't train like an animal all day, every day, you're gonna break yourself down. You know, so you have to take some time. And I'm always preaching this to the guys that I train with. This is the type of thing I'm trying to also even push out when I write these articles to the Spartan Race community. Because they want to go out and they want to do all these, they want to, even the runners, they want to trail run, trail run, trail run, burpees, bucket carries. And it's like, you know, and then all these injuries pop up. Plantar fascia issues, hip issues, all this stuff. And it's like, because you're doing the same damn shit all the time. Like, take some time back, you know, especially on the winter. The winter's a great time from like, you know, November to even January, three months of solid do a strength program, let's work on the basics, let's revisit some of the stability stuff, get under the bar, let's do some weights and start working on the foundational stuff, you know? Yeah, the heart rate's gonna be less, but you're doing a little bit more volume on training to kind of build that foundation back again. You know, uh, Kelly Starr uses a great example where you have these like open loop and closed loop, where an open loop is the loop is going, but there's an open part where things kind of fly out and we want that closed loop of things going well. So he's saying that a lot of athletes get good at, at training and training, but then they're training these open loop systems and they're constantly training compensation. And because they never take a step back to look at what's wrong with their training, that they're constantly revisiting these poor patterns. So then when it comes time to competition, they break. And in competition, you're going to compensate a little bit. You might kip a little bit. You might struggle a little bit to get under something. 
but that's okay because you've trained so many times doing it right that your body can get away with that one little compensation to bang out that last rep, to push a little harder to cross the finish line. But when you're doing that all the time in training, your body's never learning. Right. <clears throat> and Joe Ken, when he talked too, he made a good explanation with the NFL guys. Uh, a lot of these strength and conditioning coaches have egos where it's like, well, we got, you know, 10 guys that can power clean this. And it's like, well, that's great when you're two and 12, no one cares. Are your guys translating it onto the field? And what's happening is you're letting your guys get away with that compensation so they can, you know, power clean 15 more pounds for that last couple of reps, but they're compensating. So they're never learning to use the right muscle. So when it comes to the fourth quarter and they got to be able to, you know, get off that line and get into that, you know, offensive line to try to get past to the quarterback, these muscles are not trained under that duress. So then something goes. So again, the specificity is not going, you know, into sports specific stuff. So we start looking at that, like what type of training are we doing here? You know, and it's like looking at, you know, is what I'm doing making sense, you know? And it's like, instead of doing the same stuff over and over again, you know, so are we gonna go back and revisit to what's actually the problem and focusing on doing those things properly, you know? Yeah, because otherwise I was just thinking about like the difference between 400 and 415 on a clean. Let's go down to 350 and nail it perfectly. I'd rather you be able to move that thing with precise precision. You don't need to be a you don't need to be a a, a professional Olympic lifter, but I want I want you to show me that you can maintain the most basic movements first before you move on. It's like it's like algebra. You can't go to trigonometry without going to yeah. geometry. You can't yeah. go to calculus without algebra one two. You know I don't know what's before that because I didn't. Get <laughs> <laughs> I was trying for I tried physics, but it didn't work out. I enjoy it, but man, that's hard. Um, but yeah, like just be I'd rather them like what's the point of it if just for ego? Yeah. Throw it out the well, door. Like, with, with CrossFit, you had all these people, this is this whole new concept, so everyone was coming off the couch and wanting to do it. Then right. you got all those viral CrossFit fail videos, and then you had CrossFit trainers and you didn't really know, so they were trying to do this, but it was really just came down to we gotta just go back to the basics. That it's okay when you know how to do these things and then you can do it, but it's just, we're going from zero to 100. It's like P90X got real popular. Everyone went from chips and playoffs to P90X. Of course we're gonna get hurt, you know? We don't know what we're doing there. And it's, the example too is, even in the Spartan race community, I mean, all these top athletes, just because they're standing on a podium doesn't mean that their ability to get there was the healthiest. Some of these, especially even on the female, the, the females, the top females, a lot of them were all injured at one point with really bad injuries that they had to step back from like a number of races. And it's like they were killing themselves to get to that point. As I just because you could hurt more than the competition doesn't mean it's the right. It's all about longevity. If you podium twice and then you're broken the rest of the season, what is that saying? People are going to look at the athletes that are going to be consistent. They're going to do that. And also look at your lifestyle. Are you going to want to break yourself down so then you can't even function like late into your 30s, 40s? That's even the same message sending to these to these parents, you know, especially like uh, not, not even though there's so much uh, the soccer, but even like softball, baseball, these, you know, parents that want to just kill these kids with the reps. And it's like, you know, they're even talking surgery for the elbow. And I'm like, this kid's not even 17 yet. He's not even going to be able to play if he wants to have kids someday. And it's like, we're talking about surgery on an elbow for what? So you go out and pitch more. And the other thing is that they don't get, I talked to Joe about this too, is, you know, the, this is this is just like, it's a meat grinder society. The kid's a prospect. You see it at the high school, you know, combines, the, the college combines. They're all licking their chops and look at, at the kid. You know, you ever see, you ever see he got game? 
Oh yeah. You're, yeah. So it's like that mentality. It's like we're gonna throw all this stuff at you. You're the hot prospect, but if you get injured, well, it's like okay, well, what, what's the end game here? You're not coming back. On to the next one. So I tell that to all the parents. I even told some of one of our close family friends who has a, a young daughter doing gymnastics, uh, you know, competitively. I say, look, you just you got to be in the best interest of your kid because these coaches, some of them are like wolves, just licking their chops. They just want their program to be prestigious. They want to have that win count. They want all the banners and stuff. But it's at the expense of your kid because here's the reality: there's always going to be that that threatening prospect. So your kid's going head to head for a spot with another kid. If you're taking the time to focus on your kid doing the right things, they're gonna have the longevity. So there's always that time where maybe a new kid pops in and they got the skill and stuff, but they're not taking care of themselves and they break. If your kid is staying healthy and doing the right things, they're gonna be more of the viable option because they're there and they're doing the right things. So you can't always worry about that because as long as you are consistently healthy, you're always gonna be the good option. There's never an option for someone who's hurt and can't play and you're sitting on the bench. So it's always about the best thing. Never good to your team if you're hurt. So, yeah. I mean, you know, like it, it's great to, you know, I ran into a lot of that with these kids that were, you know, rehabbing and they wanted to, you know, they're, they were the captain of the team and they want to be at the practice. And I'm like, well, Sally, that's great that you want to be at the practice, but you're not doing anything but cheering them on. You should be here in the gym working on getting back to playing on the field because you being on the sideline doesn't help the team. Yes, I yes. get what you're saying where you want to be there for moral support, but it's like being on the airplane with the oxygen mask. You got to put yours on first before you can help the person next to you. Is you the third season really that necessary? Do we really need a third season of soccer? You know, and it's like if they're worried about, you know, just how well they're going to be as an athlete, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you know, sometimes you have that, um, maybe there's that dynamic where it's like, <clears throat> well, if we're not attending the stuff, we won't have good picking for maybe a travel team or a specific spot because we want to be there. So sometimes maybe these coaches and these programs put pressure saying, well, your kid has to be present and be playing for them to get looked at. It's almost like that. And it's like, you got to get in that mentality. Well, if you're doing the right things and my kid is healthy and doing what to do, they're going to show up and they're going to prove that they're good because they're going to beat the kids because they're healthy to be there. You know, the scientists are so worried about constantly being involved in doing all these programs that they never get a time to step back and focus on doing these things. That You're right, they're just going to be there and just going to get injured. So what good is that doing? So it's like, why don't we take out maybe that third league that's not that important, take a couple months to work on getting better, getting stronger, then we can come back in and we can kick ass. And then all those scouts and coaches and whoever is going to be looking and saying, wow, kids doing pretty well. And it's like, yeah, because they took time to focus on what they needed to. They weren't just trying to get through with band-aids all over them, you know? Yeah, that reminds me of the, like, even the people in the CrossFit world, like, they're beat up. Like, a lot of those people are wearing rock tape all over the place and they're doing what they can to get through it. It's like, you know, and that's okay because that's what they're doing for, that's what they do. Like, that's part, they know that's part of it. And going back to what you had said earlier, too, when the CrossFit first started, it was like, it's, it's not a bad thing if your body is made for it you know like if you can handle it fine like go for it i can't like i ain't doing that stuff because like my body just doesn't agree with that yeah. you know and you're right it was like yeah couch to 5k well it's like couch to crossfit you know then to the hospital so it huh. just it, it was like you know so that's <laughs> the 5k like think about that and like i'm like sue falzone who was she was like she was an athletic uh trainer with first female actually in major league baseball she worked for the dodgers she's a great pt um 
you should definitely follow her. I'll, I'll, um, John, she, she was at, at Athlete's Performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her book, yes. She's great. She's great. She's, she just wrote a new book, too. Um, Lee Taft just interviewed her on his podcast. I can't remember what it was called, but now I have, I have it in my Amazon cart. I just haven't bought it yet. But she had said, you know, people think you have you gotta you run to get in shape but you need to be in shape to run yeah. and that yeah. it's like yes that a hundred percent people yeah. don't understand and i think it's it's tough too because i've talked to my clients about this you know i train a lot of general population people who aren't athletes you know that's that's what i that's mostly what i deal with right now and it, it's hard because i think people are supposed to know how to train like it's it's a thing about this like if i want to if i want to learn how to play the piano I'm not just going to go start banging on a piano key. I need to learn what music means. I need to learn what the keys are. I need to learn how my hand placements go. There's training to that. And it's the same thing for training for any sport, for general populations to work out. You need to learn what the mechanics are. You need to learn what, you don't need to be an expert in reading a program, but you should probably know what sets and reps mean. You probably should know what, you know, tempo means. Like these things are, things that you know I've started to teach to my clients to say like I want you to leave me at some point in life because at some point I don't want you to need I want you to be able to do this on your own you know and and having that like understanding that so many people like I think training especially has been it's 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 like we're supposed to know what to do right off the bat like right no no it's a very complex thing and it takes time and consistency and time and consistency over and over and over again and there's days where the energy levels are not there and your your mind's not there and your body's just not a 50 pound dumbbell now feels like a 200 pound dumbbell you know and there's just that's the reality of the training and yeah. you know when it comes to sports specific or just sports performance training parents aren't educated on that you know but they 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 think because of how things are portrayed and sold and advertised that it's yeah it's speed i gotta get faster more reps that means good i'm like no how about less reps better better right. reps less right. i'd rather you do five push-ups perfect than 20 sloppy things because you're just hurting your back now and you're not training your body how to be stable so you know i, I there's a i think it's i've taken on the responsibility as much as i possibly can to educate as many people as i can because people don't know that there's another way to train they don't, they're not aware of it and, you know, I think a lot of that's on the fitness industry because they don't really, I think it's it's sold as this glamorous thing where it's going to get you done in three months. And it's funny, you actually talked about P90X. I lost my weight that way. I lost my weight doing P90X, but the normal, I was an athlete. I played basketball, baseball, soccer, golf, football. You know, like I I, I had the ability and the, the capability to land and jump and run and, you know, keep that intensity up, you know, um, and that's kind of like it's it's like finding that training for yourself and like every every kid that you see every uh adult that you see they all have their own capabilities and we have to be able to see that and and address them specifically like you're talking about that individualization um and of course you know like a squat is typically going to be across the board okay it's pretty good right like we can all do squats you know some people are not great at well, them. You know, different levels of that though, right? Different and levels, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like most baseball players, I'm typically going to go a lot of split stance stuff. I'm probably not going to do a lot of bilateral stuff. I'm probably going to go a lot of unilateral. You know, most of my athletes, I'm going a lot of unilateral. There's times and places where I go by, but like, I'd rather stick on, get really good at, your body's always going to be moving, rotating. Get good at that. Get good at stabilizing there. 
you know, um, yeah, I don't know where I went. I ranted on that because I just kept going. So no it's one stopped funny, me. Because when I worked at uh, I worked at this international boarding school years ago, and the CEO there was like this very like he was a runner, he was a cyclist, he was a um, he was a kayaker. So everything was very linear, very linear, very linear, right? So all we did was lateral and rotational mm-hmm. and single leg stuff, and he hated me because he couldn't <laughs> do any of it. Right. Right. I'm like, well, why am I going to train you in the same pattern that you do all the time? I'm like, we're going to work rotation. We're going to work side, you know, uh, lateral. We're going to work single leg. Like he was not like, but it was just funny because, you know, like you just want to keep doing what you're used to doing and you don't want to get out of that. And like, I was about Kelly Starrett, you know, and just, you know, that you're forgetting about, or not Kelly Starrett, you're talking about Cressy you're losing the global part of it you know you're very you're very tunnel vision yeah and i've been thinking about that a lot lately too even over the past couple of years of how i've curtailed my own training you know towards competing in spartan races and when they first when this first came out nobody really knew how to train you just knew that the best guys were the ones that had access to be able to run in the mountains and stuff uh because a lot of these races were on the side of a freaking ski slope in a mountain but and even myself and some of the guys from our gym out here in Westchester, we even proved that that the altitude and that stuff doesn't always isn't always be all end all because we trained out here in the humidity and the heat, and we were right on the tails of these guys that are up in Boulder, Colorado, training when we were running the stadium. So it just shows that training specificity. But as you've gone forward, I just think about like, man, if I only knew about some of the stuff when I competed in high school, all the things I know about running, all the things about footwear. Even just a conditioning, like like I said, we went to the weight room. We were just in there for 45 minutes. My coach walked around, and we just did, like, BS. If I only knew <clears throat> about the exercises that we know now, who knows if I could have dropped my times a little bit more and all that, but we just didn't know. So I think about now with, like, these kids in terms of conditioning, like, wonder if, like, some of these type of workouts and stuff that we do can almost help them kind of just get conditioned and almost break up the monotony of the soccer stuff, like – Maybe have them do kind of like a small type of CrossFit hero wad, but with just body weight stuff. Like think about like the Murph workout. You could scale that because we do it. My buddy's gym in Westchester all the time. He scales it like to people who are beginners. Well, the elites are doing Murph with a vest on. Obviously you're not doing that. It's your first time. Well, why don't we do instead of a mile run, we'll do, you know, maybe a couple building laps and then we'll go and we'll just partition body weight exercises. Instead of doing pull-ups, we'll do some TRX rows. Instead of push-ups, we'll do some incline push-ups and squats, we'll just do some air squats. Get some going, they're still doing a workout, but it's scaled. Then they could see, why well, I did this workout now, I'm gonna keep training. Now in four months, we're gonna try it again and see where I'm at. And we've seen members get better. It's all about progression. So even with like some of these high school kids, it's all about conditioning. Let's let's have them do a workout like that. Like, like if I'm training for these stadium races, they're high intensity for 30 minutes. You're redlining literally 30 minutes. Signs if it's a fast race, 25 minutes. I see similarities in the energy systems for for soccer because it's stop, go. It's it's run, you're hitting movements, you're running again, you're going, you're going. So what if you even conditioned some of these kids and you had them try to do something like that? Like even like Joe, if you had them at your your spot and you had them, all right, we're gonna do a conditioning program, but he had some soccer specific stuff. You know what, they're a goaltender. We're We're gonna do some lateral movements, we're gonna run. Uh, then we're going to do the assault bike, 10 calories. We're going to come off. We're going to do uh, soccer burpees with the ball. Down burpee, up, toss it. Down, toss it. Working on hand coordination, but we're doing a different type of conditioning. 
When was the last time this kid did a burpee type thing? But how many times they got to maybe go down to the floor to get a ball? You know, or even some of the the other, um, you know, uh, some of the field players. You put a, a, a bursa loop around their legs. You're having them do side to side movements. You have them do some type of stuff. Maybe add in. They go do some calories on the assault bike. Come off. You do some runs. Then you come in. You do some soccer drills. Go into some box jumps. You start mixing up the conditioning. So then when it comes time to playing soccer on the field, this is no sweat. I just went through hell of doing these type of hero type wads with Joe. Now I'm playing soccer. I'm going to crush these kids, you know? That's the right. mental focus of, of, of being in the zone, of, of dealing with that like, discomfort and that, that fatigue. Also with the, the new type of training and everything just keeps things spicy, basically, you know? You know what? You're so right with all the, the anaerobic stuff. You know, because I, I love the, well, I did my conditioning yesterday. Well, what'd you do? I ran two miles. Or I ran, you know, like, no. I said, well, where's your two cones 25 yards apart? Where's your sprints? Where's that? Like, a lot more intermittent. But then, like you said, tie in a piece of something. And I do that a lot with especially these late stage or even mid to late stage kids. I want to ball at their foot as much as possible. Even if it's weaving in and out of the cones, they got to get back to playing their sport. Now, I've gotten other sports in there. I got a girl playing basketball. So, you know, we got the ball and, you know, she's dribbling. There's a girl that plays field hockey. I got the stick and the ball. And, you know, and we're doing things that we're tying into, and that's their conditioning. That's their sport specific conditioning. They're going to yeah. add in what they do in their sport and then tie it into a couple other things, getting the heart rate up, you know, and, and bringing it back down and, and basing it around. The, the intervals that they're doing in the sport itself. Yeah, it's simulating that that time under tension, you know, and like even going through it personally, realizing that, that there's some things that you have to be specific with doing. Like you want to get better at doing the assault bike, you got to get efficient at that, the technique, the position, even like Kelly Starr had a thing on proper hand position and posture on that because people are doing it all wrong and they're wasting energy. Proper technique of being on the row machine, things like that. So there might be certain specific things that you have to hammer then also just simulating that time under tension where if I'm in a game and I'm going hard and I'm playing, can I simulate that cardiorespiratory stress, that mental focus, that breathing? These kids don't breathe. There's one thing that we all can agree on in trying to fix it. These kids yeah. don't breathe. They're losing all their power. And, they, they, you know, it's just like it's amazing. So focusing on that as well. But also just the specificity of that. So now just kind of training them to feel that type of sensation. So you're talking about like the sport specific rehab with your niche, like, you know, if a kid comes back from an injury, they haven't been under that cardiorespiratory taxing and then training those muscles under that type of fatigue. We're not doing that in therapy. Right. So you come in to train them, but to make sure that they're keeping up with their proper form and techniques, like the same thing, like in a race, if, I'm doing box jumps or I'm doing something under high tension. I train that right technique to do it right and use the right muscles efficiently. So I'm not compensating as much. If I only do it in a race, I'm going to break down in a race. You have to train that in there. So when these kids are working with you, they're training the proper form and technique with the right stuff. So they don't re-injure themselves, but they're doing it under a high heart rate, under fatigue. So when it comes time to game time, they're like, I've done this before. I've done this with Joe. Like the same thing when I started training even one of my online coaches for the Spartan races, it was, he had in a lot of incline training on the incline treadmill for those of us that don't have access to running up mountains and stuff, but it got you into the mental focus of climbing up a mountain. So when you go out to Palmerton and you're, you're carrying two 50 pound sandbags up the mountain, like I've been here before, I've done this. 
But if this is the first time you've ever done that, you're going to get smacked in the face, probably get injured, you know? So you don't even know. So that's why the sports-specific training with that specificity kind of gets them back into that. I've been here before. I know what to do again, you know? Right, that whole yeah. piece, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, this, it's, was, it's... this was way longer than I thought it was going to be. This is this is what I'm talking about. This hey, is man, I'm... it's a good combo. This happens, great stuff. It doesn't even feel like it's that long, you know? Because I, I, I feel like I could, I like, I'm like, my brain keeps going. And I'm like, I have like seven more things I could talk about, you know? Well, the thing in the corner keeps saying recording. So I'll keep going until it shuts down. I don't give a shit. I just, this is well, what I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten for like a few hours. And my engine, I did a crazy big uh, circuit right before I did all this. And I had a client wow. right after, slammed the protein shake and a banana. But now I'm like, no, nah, I need my chili. Right, right. I need my chili. Give me my chili. Listen, um, again, this becomes something that we could, you know, continuously do, come up with some ideas. You guys can get connected to. Um, I just like being around like-minded people and we can talk about things. We don't know where it can go. Like John, you and I talked about before, if somebody's hearing this and it changes the way they're thinking and, the, you know, the, the way they go about their training regimen, We've won because we've changed one person's life. Yeah, because that that could create a domino effect. You don't know how many people that that person could go out and then change five other people's lives because they're in a good mood or they're inspired to do something else. You know, uh, that's why I started my podcast. It has nothing to do. It has to do with sports. It's a lot of, you know, training and a lot of coaches and whatnot. Uh, but it's not it's about what what we can do to affect each other on a human level and seeing other people that's like and it's that's exactly it like i want to whenever i do anything now for online it's all about what value can i give to somebody else yeah i don't post anything you you can go on my page like and it's funny joe you were talking about this you had asked me about like why uh, the shirtless thing recently right yes. and uh, one, because the sun is out, and I have a farmer tan. Oh, yeah, I'm all about it. The guy next to you, he's, uh, he's shirtless all the time, too. I'm, I'm going to start doing the same. How do you like that? I think you hey, should. Yeah, I really do. It. We'll give you some oil. Hey, I got to get outside the sun just a couple days first. Hey, yeah, you just don't want to burn, man. Make sure to put a little... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, always. Bed, you know? Um, but it's it's just that. It's like, it's 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 not to get people to watch me it's to give value as to like, here's what the muscles are doing while I'm doing all these other things, you know? Um, and, and just whatever I, I, I want to do, like, I love this because it, it gets my brain going. It makes me think about like, and it's also too, it's connecting people. It's connecting people that care about this um, and can give value to each other, you know? Um, and I, I, I love that too. When Mike and I first met, when I was in there, I was working with one of the other therapists and I was yelling two tables over and having a conversation. And then I just thought, well, why am I, why don't I just book my sessions with Mike and then yep. we can talk. And I, at that point, I just thought there's something here. Like he gets it a, as a physical therapist. I like, and then he started telling me, you got to listen to this podcast. Blah, blah. And then I started coming in and being like, oh, I listen to this. And, you know, so my mind has been racing for two or three years about doing podcasts and connecting with people. And it's, you know, my own little insecurity of not doing it, you know, and just putting the action behind there and just That's, doing it. It's that. It's the action. I. It's the paralysis by analysis. And like for the longest time, I wouldn't do anything. I, and, and I had, I went to school for broadcast journalism. So I've had the skills for a long time. Um, but 
I was so afraid of what other coaches and trainers and PTs and like people would say about my knowledge and the way that I approach what I do. And then I realized I have a unique me. Like you have a unique you, Mike, you have a unique you. Like we all have our uniqueness. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. There's no shame in the weaknesses and there's no boasting in the, in the strengths. It's about being able to take my strengths and understand I have a gift that I can give to other people. And the weaknesses are what I get to try to improve upon. And that's something that I think it's like, it's that, that's why my slogan is fail, learn, evolve. It is all about learning, under, learning from your failures and not having shame about it and being able to evolve. So then that way at later, I want to be here to grow. I want to be here to help other people grow. I want to be here to be a human connector. Um, and so this is like, it, it's hundred percent right. It's that, it's that just do it because it, it was so scared for the longest time. And then it's like, why? 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 Because when I talked to him today and I said, can you go on today? Can you? And he's like, yeah. I said, now I'm calling you and I'm texting you. I'm like, we're making this happen tonight. I'm like, I'm not going to wait any longer because he had texted me. When are we podcasting again? I'm like, you know what? My fault because I've been saying we got to do this. We got to do this. Then I talked to you. I'm like, we're doing it together. We're going to do this all together. It. This turned out to be, you know, way more than I thought it was going to be. And it's going to, it's going to evolve. Like you, you get to, you get to look at it and objectively say, I didn't like this. I like this. That doesn't sound good. This does sound because it's not a personal thing. It's a, how do I want my product to look? How do I want my product to be presented and having that pride in it? And then also being proud. And then also understanding like there's going to be mistakes and bumps along the road. I know that, you know, it's just going to happen, but it's like, just run with it. Keep running with it because you're going to get better at it, you know? And this is this is perfect. I love this. Hopefully, this we can we can continue to make this make this thing a thing. I'm down, I'm, man. Just let me know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I yeah. If I can hop on, I'll absolutely hop on for sure. We know with your restriction, not restrictions, but you know, with the, with the three hour time difference, it does you know make it a little bit harder. So I do appreciate you jumping on right in the middle of the, uh, the more evening time for us. If we can at least jump on for like an hour or so to kind of talk about topics, that's really not, that'd be a good time to do it anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I'm, I'm up, you know, it's just, and with the schedule now, I mean, who knows how long this is going to be. Um, they say anything about you guys out there, John? Yeah, I, I just posted something on my story uh, about the phases. So phase, we're, we're, we're probably looking like, I, I said this from the beginning, like August, September, October would be my guess as to when the gyms are going to start opening up. That's phase wow. three at this point for California, which honestly, I'm fine with. I've been digging, training online, not going into the show. So gym have I. <laughs> it's been, but it, and it's made me go like, what do I want? Like, what do I really want for my business? And honestly, if I could just do this for a living, talk, are you kidding me? Yeah, let me do that. I've been you know? saying that forever. It's just... Listen, I understand that this is, you know, a, a very crucial time for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I have the empathy for that. There's, I'm not putting for that sure. down. With all this happening, it's slowed everybody down um, under less stress. I mean, I would wake up, try to set up my day. And the next thing I know, I'm in 10, 12 appointments. And I come home and I'm like, where's the time for content? Where's the time to do these things? Like, I have so much video and content that I could just sit there and put things, like I'm taking time, I do that, I go work out, I, I go for a walk, I do my online stuff, I go eat, like it's just a different schedule. And I, I like I said, like you said, I kind of like this. 
<laughs> yeah, I, and I I was ridiculing myself. I was shaming myself for not being on top of it more. But the problem, like I had, you know, it's like client, 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 energy gone. So, and I like to be up for my for my you know program uh, for my editing and 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 you know you, you have to be there because you have to give it energy. At the same time, I started seeing it started to grow, and I started getting excited about it because I was doing more. And uh, like, if you just keep the more you do, the more it's going to be like, okay, this isn't that bad. And I can, I can, I also know what I can do while I'm watching a TV show. I can, I can easily cut and edit video without sound. That's not a problem. Right. So it's like, how can I be productive with the, it's very similar to training. How can I be productive with the given energy and the given capacity my brain can handle right now? Cause I still want to be able to do something. Right. Don't want to be like, productive, but it doesn't have to be at that highest. Exactly. You're right. When you're in there 10 and 12 hours, like, you come out like I'm giving everything I got when I'm in there. Yeah, yeah. We, have, like, we have energy. We give energy. That's what we yeah. do. We give energy to other people, and we take yep. energy every day. And what a lot of people have is they have people that help them out too. I mean, some people get people to take the videos for them, and then some of these athletes even have people who run their Instagram pages. They don't have time because it takes a lot of energy to put up a post and stuff. So they oh, have someone doing it for them, or they have the photographers taking pictures and videos and stuff. So I mean, everyone's got their own thing. I think though it's a little bit different with the PT because of like what we do because the fact that we are very hands-on and very doing a lot of that that it's so it's, it's so hard like you right now I have a patient who's just got extremely bad uh, flared up sciatica back pain and I'm like look you just got to come into the clinic and we got so much accomplished in an hour session me being able to just assess the tissue do some hands-on teach her some stuff that we're able to do through the the video so I mean it's just kind of a little bit more of a challenge but I just know there's a lot of talking PTs saying, oh, well, this is going to be the future. This is how we got to go. And I'm like, I think we just got to, at least for us, for PTs, maybe pump the brake a little bit on that. I think telehealth could be a good tool in terms of someone's lazy as is and they don't want to come into the clinic. Now I could at least maybe, all right, you don't want to come to the clinic? Let's do a telehealth consult and talk to you. And let me just like talk to you about what's going on. You're sitting on your couch. We can give you a tour a bit of the clinic, show you what's going on. Then maybe we could talk about some things and then maybe try to bring in, let's establish a rapport that way. Yeah, actually, cool. Yeah, like some people, like they're just so lazy, they wouldn't even want to come in for the initial eval. Like, I can at least get you to get onto the computer and talk to you and then try to get you in from there. And then sometimes you see people, once they establish a rapport, they might really like you, then they come in, you know, and then it goes from there. Like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to PT, I'm feeling better, you know. So, I mean, it's just a little bit different. I just think we have to, we're trying to do this now because we have to, but. Dude, people love love people. They love the camaraderie. They love the, the communication. I mean, the motivation. I just, I have a feeling that these in-home workouts and stuff, at some point, eventually, people are going to burn out from them. and They're going to want to be with people and do stuff. Like right now, the challenges are kind of keeping people going because you're tagging people, you're keeping them doing it, making it fun. But people love being around each other and just that energy and stuff. So, you know, I mean, at some point, it's got to. handshaking thing and the hugging, like, they're my things, man. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, elbow shit. Like, point, uh, you know? like, I want to go in for the hug. Like, I want to like shake hands. Like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We're. I mean, that's. I humans crave connection. That's the interview that I did today. Uh, I'm ex- really, really excited for this one to come out. Um, he was. Uh, he Chip Morton. I don't know if you know who Chip Morton is. Uh, he was the. He was the strength coach for the Bengals. Um, okay. So he was under Marvin Lewis the whole time. Nice. Um, and. It, it's the whole conversations about love and human connection and how he did it's it's we spoke for over an hour and 20 minutes on just love human connection and how how it's that's how he made his 
his staff and everybody want to be in the program um, and made connections with some of the players and the athletes. And it's, it's, that's all it is. It's, it's up here more than it is anything else. And every single person's going to adapt and respond to things differently. And we're definitely going to touch on that. I want to leave it right there just so we don't go down that rabbit hole because I know that could be the whole thing. That mental health piece, I've been on the both of you guys talking about that. That is, I mean, that could be a two-hour thing in yeah, itself. I got some great content we could talk about. On yeah. That. Why don't we do that? Why don't we even kind of put together a couple of things? And John and I have talked a little bit about that, some ideas we wanted to go with. And, I, you know, I'll shoot you some things too, Mike. Let's kind of brainstorm on that and kind of come up with something neat, but really kind of address that whole mental health that we already had going on in the country. And now, you know, what do you think it's going to look like down the road, you know, whether it be a high school athlete or an adult, you know, like, I mean, everyone's going through it. So yeah. let's maybe want to, you want to start like a Google doc maybe and, uh, we could just like put up topics of like things that maybe we want to cover and then we can all share it and just see like what we're writing. Perfect. You know? I will share Mike's email. Oh, you gotta, you gotta create your podcast, uh, channel and station so we can start posting these for people to go and check it out on either the iTunes app or whatever and start getting it up there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this whole thing. I'm going to figure out, I'm not really sure how to get this. I'm going to send it to I'll both. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. What's that? I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Perfect. And then we can kind of cut it up and use some of this or whatever. And I mean, it's all content. I was taking a couple pictures as we were kind of talking here. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we can use it for any type of content, you know, and I'll run it by you guys first, make sure we're good with everything. And, you know, but yeah, I think this is a, this a name. You got your own podcast now, Joe, man. <laughs> big time. Big time, yeah. man. Hell yeah. Oh. Run with that too. You better say you're big time. Yeah, listen, I, I appreciate, I'm very humble about things. I, I very much appreciate people. I've been getting a lot more of it lately, which is, you know, it's it's interesting. And again, it's 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 hard for me to take the compliment, but I do, you know, these people are, hey, listen, I like the videos you're putting out. I like this. I see you all over. You're, you're on all these different platforms. I'm like, good, okay. It's, it's working. Like, I want to be out there. You know, I, I want people to see what I'm doing. It's, and it's, for the longest time, I wasn't even in a lot of the video because I always felt like it was about who I was working with. It wasn't about me, you know? Like, it's about what they're doing. It's about what they're achieving. That's why I love writing up them testimonials to these kids. I demand them from these kids. And I know, and you know how hard it is to get these, these kids. I'm like, listen, you're in school all day. I need five minutes of your time to write down how this helped you during the process. And some of them are tear jerking. I got one coming out Friday. She wrote hers before. I'm gonna add her video this uh, this week. But I told her joking around, I said, you better make me cry with this because you're making me wait so long. I was like three sentences in and I'm like wiping my tears. I'm like- You asked for it. This is why I do it is because you're getting to see these kids even more on the rehab end. And that's why I kind of really went that way is because almost session by session, you can see improvements. It's the hostile cross yeah. persuasion. I got his mom in therapy right now. She says, you're getting bread. She's bringing in the bread. She needed it. She wanted to get a script for her back. She called up, she got a script for her back. No one <laughs> says no to Barbara. <laughs> she, uh, she was in there and Mike took care of her. She had a knee replacement done a couple months ago. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I said, listen, I got the best PT for you. Boom. Right to Mikey. Uh, she's hysterical. Every day it's, it's it's a production, but it's funny. I, I, I sneak in those stretches when she's not looking. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I'm hopping off. I really appreciate both your guys putting in the time. And yeah, man. Let's, let's take this to a next level. Let's do it. Let's roll. All right. Later, boys. All right, man. Later. Mike, I'll connect with you. All right, man. Sounds good. See you, Mikey. All right.